Hey there, it's Joan Green, and you are listening to Navigating Two Worlds, where we are blessed to spend time learning about the complexities of interracial families. This show is designed to support an incredible community of women in relationships to black men who love deeply and are driven to make a positive impact within their homes and beyond, as well as to open a dialogue for others who may want a greater understanding of privilege and racial bias, especially in regards to how it affects the family dynamic. We do all of this through conversation, education, and love. So let's get started. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I am so excited for our guest today and that I have the incredible privilege of introducing her to you. So I want to make sure that you guys welcome with me Serena Flowers, founder of the Mixed Chick Movement. Serena is an executive, an entrepreneur, and she's a mom. And she's going to share her story with us about navigating the world um, out there, not only as a woman in um, business, but also as a biracial woman in business. And so I'm excited for her to take it from here. Serena, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, um, we could talk about so many things here, but um, just really quickly, my name's Serena and um, I am multiracial. I my mom's Italian and my dad is Filipino and black. And and right now I'm raising a little boy and he's um, he's mixed as well. And I think that right now this is a great time to have these conversations. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think there's so much um, that we can share and learn from one another um, for sure. And so why don't we start off with your story? Can you share a little bit about your childhood, your upbringing, and when you realized that you were mixed, quote unquote, right? Yeah. So um, I don't want to age myself, but I was born in 72, (laughs) so I'm 49 now. And uh, it was different. I was probably the only mixed kid in school. Uh, my My mom just raised me. My dad wasn't around. And I mean, on a sad note, Back then, it was really difficult to be mixed because my mom, one, had me out of wedlock, which was not um, acceptable in her family. And two, she was having, you know, a black baby. So it was really difficult in, in, in the 70s. And I've heard stories from my mom of, you know, her and my dad being kicked out of theaters because, you know, she was carrying, you know, his child. I'm like, oh, my God, these stories are horrible. I've never... I, I hope no one experiences that anymore these days. But right. um, your question, when did I really figure out that I was mixed? You know, I have to say it really kicked in probably in junior high when I went to school and I noticed that I wasn't black enough for the black kids and um, they really didn't include me. And then I wasn't, uh, br- I wasn't the right brown to be Mexican. So I really didn't fit in that group. So I, 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 I really realized quickly that I didn't fit in. Right. Right. And you know, what's funny, somebody just mentioned to me yesterday, and this was after you and I had talked earlier, um, or at the end of last week, but somebody mentioned to me yesterday that times were different. So, um, I married my husband in the nineties, the early nineties. And the, what this person was saying is that back then, and which that could go back to when you were born, even that not seeing color was kind of the trending thing. And it was what, that was what we were trying to get people to do, to just love and not see color. 
Um, and what you're sharing now is it kind of was really, that's not even the case. It, it was more colorism happening um, when you were growing up where people couldn't determine where you fit in and you couldn't determine where you fit in. Because I, I think it's really important. And now I know the movement is we have to see color. We have to see the humanity. We have to see the history. We have to understand what color brings to the person that we're looking at, um, again, leading through a lens of love. But do you find that still today um, that you know people still don't see color and that that could be good or bad either way? Um, no, I think it's in the forefront right now. I think I'm in a lot of color right now. So I I just don't think everyone's educated to figure out which way to go. I mean, I'm mixed and this is how this got brought up. I'm like, I had to reflect and look at life like, wow, do do people perceive me as a multiracial woman? Is that how they look at me? Because I really didn't look at me as being colored. I'm just, you know an average woman living her life. And um, this past year has really, really shed some light on on race and colorism and even being a female gender uh, right. really, really opened my eyes of what's going on. I, I, I'm kind of sad that I thought, <laughs> I thought we were over this. You know, I yeah. thought this was, you know, there's so many mixed kids now um, I thought we were over this, but more and more that I dive in, we've uh, we've got some work to do. Yeah, I totally agree, and I'm I'm gonna I can't wait to hear how you're diving in and share that with everybody. But before we get to that point, um, you know, one of the things you said is that you kind of started realizing and reflecting back in your early early preteen area or teens. Um, how did you navigate being confident in your own identity? Um, and I know one of the things that you're a proponent of is it's it's not just your racial identity. It's your identity as a woman, as an athlete, as a um, as a person, as a sister, as a mom, you know, all the things. So what led you to kind of be, gain that confidence in your own identity? That's a great question. Um, well, it didn't come when I was younger. It was a lot of therapy, I have to be honest. <laughs> Um, really diving in. I mean, because I'll go back. My childhood wasn't the greatest childhood. And what I learned through therapy and finding that confidence, I was really uh, carrying around my mom's shame and baggage of me being mixed. She had issues that I was black. Um, She had guilt because, you know, she was disowned. So that kind of fell onto me for many, many years. And then once I figured out that baggage wasn't mine and that I am my own individual person and I have, you know, my whole life ahead of me, that's when it shifted. So that's when the confidence came in. And I was like, this is my life and I'm going to start my life off. So that probably really didn't happen until I was like, gosh, 25, 27. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a a big struggle for a lot of women and girls, um, which again is kind of what your mission is all about. So having grown up with that and and maneuvering through that and really learning and um, understanding yourself better, now you have this beautiful son. Um, What concerns do you have in raising a mixed child? And have you already seen him kind of choose his identity or how are you helping him navigate that? Yes. So I'm raising a little boy and he's six. 
which I think these conversations are really heavy. I mean, how do you really talk to a six-year-old about, you know, yeah, race? for sure. Um, but he does go to, to, we live in Southern California and he goes to a private school and majority of the kids there are, are white. So I think he's seen a contrast from his, his skin color that he's black. So right now he's identifying as black. One day he came home and, oh, I was putting sunscreen on him. And he's yeah. like, oh, a black boy turned into a white boy. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, do you think you're black? And he's like, yeah, I'm black. And I was like, okay. And then I just leave it. I just leave it. I just let him explore. I mean, it could change next year, you know, but for a six-year-old, that's what he's seeing. Now, as a child, if, if I was six and I would have said something like that, um, wow. it would have been a different story. My mom would have told me, you know, don't ever say that. Don't talk about, you know, don't talk about it. And um, so that's the difference of how I'm raising him is I want it to be transparent. I want him to have space where he can talk about it. I think it's yeah. really important that um, we we have these conversations with our mixed kids. I know that you are white and your husband's black and obviously you have mixed kids. And the, the best advice I can give to anyone that's listening on your on your podcast is, you know, don't be afraid to talk about it because um, you, you have to, you have to guide them. You got to, you, you don't want them to grow up and, and have to figure it out on their own. I think it's, it's, it's really important to sprinkle it in when they're younger. So that's what I'm doing. So you are absolutely correct. And so I'm going to share, and I, I may have shared this in a previous podcast, but maybe not, but um, you've hit the nail on the head, Serena. And something you may not know about me is I did not do that while my kids were growing up. So my husband and I were married for, well, it's 29 years this, this May. We just had our anniversary. Our kids are in their early 20s. And um, I didn't see color. I didn't see color the entire time. And yep, I knew I was married to a black guy. And I knew my kids were biracial. But um, I, I did a, a little bit of navigating that when people would ask, you know, what are they? Um, I got, I kind of had a recorded in my head answer. And I was a little sassy and a little disrespectful because I didn't like that people were asking me because to me, they were just children. But in hindsight, um, especially over this last year or two, I realized that kind of showing them that I was dismissing the black side of their culture and not addressing it and not being proud to say my children are African-American and they are white, um, it definitely didn't lend them to identifying themselves before they left the house for college. And so what I learned just in this last year from my children is that they feel that their identity was partially taken from them because people make their own determination and my kids are lighter skinned. So in some cases, people don't see them at, as black at all. And yet they're so proud. They're so proud to be black mm -hmm. and they want to fit into that community. So that kind of, that's part of what, you know, what has is my story and why I'm on this mission to make sure that we that we share how to do better than what I did with my kids. Now my kids are adorable and they're they're successful and they're well balanced, but they definitely um, had struggled through college and and through into the working world with their identity. So you're right. You're absolutely right. We need to get a jump on it. Yeah. <laughs> Take it from somebody who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's 
I mean, you want to prepare your kids out there. And they, and we are different. I hate to say the word different. Um, you know, we're unique. We That's why so many people ask us, you know, what are you mixed with? What right. are you? I mean, right. I think mixed people need to learn how to not be offended when we get asked. Um, I see some people get offended. And I think, like, you know, some people don't even get asked they don't even get a hello, let alone what are you? I mean, people need to understand we look different. Um, we obviously are mixed. Um, and and I mean, when I see a beautiful rose and walking down the street. I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, ooh, look how pretty this is. What is it? You know? Right. So right. I don't. It's curiosity, anyways, right? Is Which is natural. And I think right. a lot of mixed people have we get offended, but I think we get offended because we haven't addressed who we really are. Like if, if we were, if we were confident and really stood in, in, in our identity, that wouldn't be a problem when someone asked you what you're mixed with or what you are. I totally agree. And I, I can see that just where your son is already starting that now and he's able to make a determination. And like you said, it may change. He's going to identify the way he chooses throughout his life, but he's already speaking to it. And that I think is, is what's going to change you know, generation by generation, the more educated our children are and the more confident they are and the more we give them space, like you just said, um, I think that makes a huge difference. So I love that. Um, so let me, let me just kind of switch gears a little bit because you have had a phenomenal career as, um, an entrepreneur, as a, an executive in all kinds of things that people would probably just love to do. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, where where your career path has led you, and then we'll talk about what you're doing now. Yes. So, um, well, with the pandemic, it's really shut me down. But I right. own and operate general stores for music festivals. So if you go to a music festival and you forget something, so Joan, if, if you and I are at a festival and it gets hot and we forgot our sunscreen, you're going to probably go to one of my stores and buy sunscreen or water or now you want some right. gum. They're like little tiny pop-up stores um, to accommodate attendees. So I started 20 years ago at Coachella Music Festival. And uh, right before the pandemic, that would have been my 20th year mm-hmm. with Coachella wow. Music Festival. And uh, yeah, and then we got shut down. So I am really, I've heard this word um, pivoting. Mm-hmm. You know, corporate women pivoting into entrepreneurialism. And I'm like, what does this pivot mean? And oh, I know what it means now. <laughs> now, you know, right. I do too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm excited today because Bottle Rock, I mean, just a side note, Bottle Rock, there's a festival that we do up in, um, in Napa. They just announced their lineup today. And so my phone's blowing up. Everyone's like, are we doing this? Are we doing this? And I was like, oh, it's in September. Oh, congratulations. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, that's a good note today, but yeah, I started um, in, in my twenties and I, I went to Coachella for the first time and I broke my shoe and <laughs> lost my girlfriends. And back then there was no cell towers. So like, you do, right. Right. <laughs> and I remember I had a hundred bucks in my pocket and it, the wind kicked in. And it got really cold and I went and bought a sweatshirt. And by the time I got up there, it was like an extra, extra large orange, this like weird, I was like, whatever, just give me the sweatshirt. (laughs) um, I 
walked back to my car. I found my car and I sat in between the cars because the wind was so bad. I was just trying to find shelter. And all I could think of was like, there's no way I could have been the only girl here that is having a miserable time because I needed something. <laughs> and that's where, that's where it started. That's where it started. I started with Coachella and um, we usually do about 20 festivals across the country and uh, love it. I have a, a wonderful, wonderful, I used to have a wonderful life, but um, this has given me time to be a mom and reflect on what's going on in the mixed space. Right. For sure. So first of all, thank you for that, because I am probably speaking for millions who say when when they need that, oh, I forgot, like you said, the bottle of water or the sweatshirt or gum or just something, and you're there for them at those huge festivals, um, because those festivals go on days. You know, it's not just a, a two-hour event, right? Those are the the big weekend events oh, that, yeah. you, weekend that you service. Yeah. So can. thank you for that. That's a great service, and you probably don't know how, how much, how needed you really are. Um, and then as you're reflecting over this year, as the festivals were all shut down, how did you pivot, as you say, and decide to start the Mixed Chick Movement? Well, pivoting takes a long time. I think it took mm-hmm. me at least four months to shut down like permits and licenses and really get a grip of what was what was going on, like so many other people in the world that's lost um, their businesses or loved ones. It's, it was a, it's a difficult time for everybody, but I, for me, I didn't understand where I fit in. I thought, do I have a voice? Am I allowed to even talk about race because I'm mixed? And, um, and I started researching and I started looking on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. And I was, and I was surprised to see so many mixed girls. I was actually really proud to see that many in numbers. Um, but then I started finding the number one common um, thread was the difficulties of identifying. Like they just feel like they don't fit in. And that just breaks my heart. I'm like, ah, I, I thought I thought we were over this. I thought we were over this. And it's the same problem. Now it just seems like there's so many more. And I would love to be a mentor or a role model for young girls to come up and and understand that, yeah, your race identity is important, but there's so much more to life than just your race. So um, the Mixed Chick movement really is right now at its first phase. And I'm just building relationships with other um, mixed female entrepreneurs and hearing their stories, just like you are. And I want to showcase and highlight who they are, whether you're ordinary or extraordinary. I just want to, I want them to be heard. Obviously we're seen We're you know, everyone can see us, but um, what's missing is they're not being heard. And I want to be a part of that. Yeah. I love that. I think, um, I think creating a platform or curating a community, which is, is what I, you know, how I kind of phrase it is for that voice to be heard as one collective voice, but with everybody sharing their own stories. We've all gotten here in many different ways. Um, So I love that you're offering that opportunity. And one of the things I I was thinking about when you did some of this research that you've done over the last year, do you, are you hearing or seeing that, um, that the women 
and and I mean women, young women and women that are, you know, closer to your age, my age are still kind of confused about just what you were. Where do I fit in? Do I have a voice? Am I allowed to have a voice? Are you finding that to be more normal, more the norm or more the exception? Oh, it's 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 definitely a, an issue. I I'm, yeah. I'm I'm blown away on how how there's not enough um, service for I guess service that's not the right word for this this um for mixed girls. I can't I, I'm shocked that there's not more help out there. Like no one's guiding them. There should be right. way more guidance and um that's that's where I'm headed because I remember what it was like being younger and not fitting in for so many other reasons of like how I was raised. But, you know, society is tough. It's it this world is it's it's a rough world. It's bad enough that you have to be financially stable and how to, can you imagine not fitting in? I mean, it's just another right. thing that we have to have to do. So, no, no, there's we have a lot of work to do. And there's so many new labels. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know that there was so many labels now. Right. And, and you want to know, like, is, is it important that everybody know what those labels are and what they mean? Or is that something that we are just people and we don't need to have labels? And, you know, one of the things that um, we had talked about before our call today is, you know, how, how men perceive you in business. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like you, you have had to even go back to people during this time of reflection and find out how did they see you? How did they perceive you? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's what I'm still um, working on. I'm like, do they perceive me when I'm working with, cause I work with producers and majority right. of producers I work with are, are, are white males. I mean, let's just face it. They're, they're the ones that are running the show, but um I called some of them and I was like, Hey, I have a question. Like when I'm working with you guys, do you guys see me, do you see me as a colored woman or, or, or is it just, you know, I'm female. And one of them laughed. He's like, no, you're just Serena. Like I don't see any color. <laughs> Which is a good thing to be for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, but then I'm like, are they just trying to, are they just being nice and not having the hard conversation? Right. But I, like I was telling you in our conversation before, I think my struggles in business have been more um, female related. I don't think it was being mixed or being colored. I think just a woman um, in the position that I'm in, I have a very successful, huge department that I work with. And there are some people that look at me like, well, why does she have this? And um and I've had, I've had difficulties in the past. I'm like, wow, I, I'll get in the elevator. I'm like, what just happened? Right, right. I, I'm getting the pushback because I'm a female. Like they, some of these guys in this room don't think I can pull this off. So I think my struggles, and that's another thing for, for, for women in general, we still have a way to go on, on leadership as women, you know, and it's, it's like a double dose. We're female and we're mixed. Right, right. It's all the things, yeah. <laughs> all the things for sure. Um, both movements, which are so important in in our society today. Um, so, well, tell us a little bit about how we can find you. Um, what you're hoping that the mixed chick movement will will do in the next year. And I, I'm excited that your business is opening back up. But I also know this is your passion project, and it's not going to step away. You know, as your business starts to grow back. But what do you what do you see in the next year? And then how do we find you? Yeah, so um, you can find me on Instagram, and it's under the Mixed Chick Movement. 
I, I'm hoping that we, cre- we create a music festival. That's, that's the end goal. Oh here. my gosh. That would be so fun. Yeah. That would be awesome. Karina. Yeah. Because that's my expertise. I can, I can, I can do that. I can throw a music festival, um, learning how to navigate myself on, on social media and meeting women one-on-one, just like you is taking some time, (laughs) but, um, it's exciting too. I've heard some really amazing stories from women and, um, it's, it really fills my heart. It really does. (laughs) You would think that I would be excited about my work and I am, but I've seen so many bands and artists that I could just go back to my trailer. Like the headliners are playing and I'm like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't, turn me on as much as it used right. to. You don't have that level of excitement as yeah. much. <laughs> right. This project really fills my heart. And um, I think it's the time in my life where I want to give back and this is it. So um, if there's anyone listening to your podcast and you want to have a conversation with me, um, if you're a mixed female or you or your kids are mixed, I would love to have a conversation with you. I also have a, a survey uh, in my bio, it takes like three minutes if you guys want to take it. And it um, it allows me to put your piece in the puzzle. Um, I can, you know, you can be a part of the festival. You can be attendee. But um, that's what we're doing. Oh, I love that. What a fun venue to bring mixed women together to celebrate each other. That's that's just probably one of the most positive ways that I can even imagine doing that. And it is your wheelhouse and I know it will be a huge, huge success. So I love that. And the survey is in your bio, um, in your LinkedIn, um, I mean, your Instagram bio, right? Yes. Yes. Or you can go to my website too. It's on there as well. Okay. And your website is themixedchickmovement.com, right? Yes. And you Pretty have girls. You have girls, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. I yep. And I've already shared you. I've already shared you with them on Insta. Oh, good. <laughs> um, good, good, good. Yep. So we will start it. And I know that um, many of the women listening to this are either have young adult women, you know, girls in their family, or they have young girls who they're, you know, a lot of the conversations I have with moms are, when do I start having this conversation about their um, their race? And when do when do I make it a little bit bigger? When do I um, expose them to organizations like yours? And I think, you know, no time is too early, but I do think that um, this is a great platform for for moms to take a look at. And then for women who are already here and you're still trying to navigate it, Serena's your girl for sure. So um, thank you, Serena, for joining today. And you guys, if, um, if you want to learn more, I will definitely make sure that we have her information up on the website. And you can find me at um, on Instagram at togetherwelove.jmg or on my website, togetherwelovewithjoangreen.com. And I am so looking forward to seeing the amazing things that you're going to do. And hopefully I'll be there right at the festival with you and um, my daughters as well. So thanks again for spending the time with us, Serena. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Navigating Two Worlds. And here are our takeaways. One, seeing color is definitely in the forefront of many conversations around race today. And we know that being mixed or multiracial brings with it a need for education and open dialogue. Two, 
Talking with our children about multi-race and mixed race cultures may seem a little bit heavy, but when you lean into their observations and you let them explore and talk through what they are seeing, it often becomes easier. Give them space so that our children can talk to us about it when they want to. And this will help prepare them for life outside of the safety of our own homes. And three, mixed race women are unique and look different than any others. It's common for people to ask questions like, what are you? Which can often be offensive and even considered a microaggression. One of the most important things we can offer to mixed girls and women is a reminder to stay confident and stand strong in their own identities. And four, mixed women can be seen, but often are not heard. And Serena was really looking into this thought and asked many questions, including, do I have a voice? Am I allowed to talk about race as a mixed woman? And she realized that the answer was a resounding yes. So she created the Mixed Chick Movement to bring awareness to this beautiful community. You can find more about her products and more about how she's providing a platform for discussion at her Instagram of at the Mixed Chick Movement or on her website, themixedchickmovement.com. Thanks again for listening and join us for other episodes. Take care. We'll talk again soon.